0: Hey, it's Chris Herb, and welcome to the TripleClicks Video Game Marketing Podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by the legendary Jeff Keeley. Jeff and I have been friends for over a decade, and it was great to have him out to the TripleClicks office to talk about everything from his first E3 experience at the age of 14, his acquisition and evolution of the Video Game Awards, how brands should be activating in the gaming space, and what he's been playing lately. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Jeff Keeley in the house. Thanks for uh, coming out to the to the uh, Calabasas area and uh, joining us for the podcast for the first time.
1: I'm honored to be here, Herb.
0: You were uh, we talked about when I started this. We were uh, you were kind of helping me kind of yeah g- uh, direction on what I should be doing and building out. So it's good to have you.
1: Oh, for sure, man. I'm I'm super proud of what you built and uh, look, you helped us build a lot of stuff back when I was at uh, Viacom, like we were doing. You know when you were doing. Madden Bowl at the Rose Bowl And stuff like that I and actually we were... saw
0: the Madden 08 launch On your Wikipedia page I felt like I made it When I uh, hey, you... I had a call out on the Wikipedia no, page. That's
1: why Like we were doing them. I mean that was crazy It was a decade ago But yes Uh Super proud of all the stuff you've built. And this is an impressive office.
0: Thank you. Now, we're we're trying. Most people come in here and say that just so they can get free stuff. You probably have more free stuff than I get. <laughs> so, so it's a, a compliment when you're not getting a free As long as I swag. don't take
1: any Doritos, I'm all good. There you go.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about Doritos. Uh, so I just want to go through and talk. We've been friends forever. And the funny thing is, is you're friends with everybody in the industry, which is great. I mean, you're so connected with everybody. Uh, I'm sure you hear the Ryan Seacrest of gaming uh, from a lot of people that I always talk through, which is very yes. respectful. Uh, how did you get it? How did you get started? What you know, I know you've got an interesting play with yeah. your first E3. How old were you, and how did you get in?
1: I went to I went, I've been to every E3 in history, uh, and I I mean I started as a kid growing up in Canada. In I mean I would play games with my brother. We had a a console and also an IBM computer, and we'd play a lot of adventure games and things like that. And then I one day I wrote a letter to one of the game companies, like Sierra Online, and said, I'd love your games, how do you make them? And this was back when you would like you know, the only way to communicate was like <laughs> via a letter. So I put on an international postage sent from Toronto, Ontario to Oakhurst, California. And I never thought I'd hear anything back. And then like a couple weeks later, they like sent me a letter back saying, Oh, thanks so much for your note, Jeff. Uh, we'd love to have you help us beta test our games. Here's like a new version to play. So I started doing that when I was like in high school and that led me to kind of like really appreciate what it took to make a video game Um, and then started writing for like really online magazines about games like when I was still in high school. And then the first E3 was 1995 when I think I was like 14 or 15 years old. Um, And yeah, I had to get special permission to go into E3 because it was, you know, even now, I think it's like you have to be 18-plus to get in. So I'd show up at the door, security guy would be like, hey, let me see your ID, and I'd pull out this letter from, like, that president of <laughs> E3 saying... Jeff Keely's uh, special exception approved to go in. That's
0: awesome, and that was in Atlanta, right?
1: No, no, the first one was here in L.A.
0: First in L.A. Yeah, right.
1: the first two were in L.A. in '95 and '96, and okay. then it moved to Atlanta for two years in
0: '97 and '98. Okay, I think my first, I was, I did some in Atlanta, yep. and I, I didn't know it was in L.A. first. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, it started because it was, it was cool. It was, you know, I'd never really, well, I'd never really done a lot of video game events, but the year before. I had done uh, a video game awards show in LA, Cybermania 94. First
0: one ever, correct?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you can still find it on YouTube. But that was really that was one of the first things I did. Um, a friend of my father in Toronto, for some reason, was the guy that TBS selected to produce uh, this awards show called Cybermania 94, I think because he was buddies with Leslie Nielsen from *The Naked Gun*, <laughs> and they want him to host it. So he was like working on this award show, and he was talking to my dad. And I was like, "Oh, my dad knows a lot, or my son knows a lot about uh, video games. You should talk to him." And so I went in and like helped them kind of figure yes. out like what this video game thing was. Uh, and my dad and I got to come down to LA, put on a tuxedo, and went to Cybermania '94, which yeah, it was Leslie Nielsen and Jonathan Taylor Thomas from *Home Improvement* co-hosted oh. it. Um, Herbie Hancock performed. Um, it was, uh, it's insane. You can still watch it on YouTube, but yeah, that was the first video game award show. And I wrote a lot of the narration that William Shatner read when they ran the nomination packages because they had all this, this game footage and no one's like, we don't understand what this is. So you have William Shatner like (laughs) narrating like what doom is or what mist is or seventh guest. Um, but it was, it was actually, it was a big moment for me because I got to come to LA and like, you know, you're a. 14-year-old kid, you're going with your dad to this thing, and it's like it's like a big award show. and like, You're
0: working it. Your dad's there to Chevron, but you're exactly. doing the work.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and he was like, you know, he's in the entertainment world, and he was like super impressed about the scale of the production and like made me proud to be like in games, right? And it was mm-hmm. like cool, like Doom's winning an award. Um, and in many ways, like, you know, fast forward 25 years, and it's like the game awards and all that stuff is, I think, in many ways, like remembering those that moment and how you know it was it was a silly awards show, but it made me realize that hey, games deserve to be um, you know on a big stage, and I've I've kind of carried that forward ever since.
0: Is he is your dad's friend still around? Yeah, yeah. Peter Heyman is the name. Yeah, we let's have him at the game awards <laughs> this year and do a no. i talked to him. Cybermania.
1: Oh yeah. No, it was uh, yeah. I've talked to him because um, it was yeah. It, I mean, he was he was a filmmaker in Toronto and did this. I mean, there was never a Cybermania '95, right? Um, 2019,
0: so. <laughs> if I can do the math right, that's the 25th anniversary of Cybermania. Yes, exactly. so here you
1: go, big on a segment. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it, I mean the funny thing is you can watch it on YouTube, and it's like funny because it's uh, like some of the awards. It's like Hillary Swank and Matthew Perry presenting awards before they were really, you know, yeah, Hillary Swank and Matthew Perry. Um, Obviously,
0: that was a seed that meant a lot to you as what you've. And we'll get into the game awards, yeah. but what you've, what has grown out of that, and what you've built it to. Yeah, no, for sure,
1: because it was like you know you got to understand when you're a gamer especially as a young kid, it's like you kind of play, you know, in your bedroom or at home, and it's like you don't, you know, there wasn't eSports, there wasn't all these things, big events to go to to connect you to people. So, yeah, you go to this thing, you're like, wow, games are really cool. I got to meet all these developers, see them recognized in a cool way. Um, and, yeah, it felt like games were part of entertainment. And, you know, they had, like, they had music performances, they had celebrities there. It was kind of like it was a was It was it cool. the
0: jewels. I mean, it was her.
1: <laughs> but, no, you look at, like, it's funny they had uh, – like, Will Arnett, before he was Will Arnett, he was, like, the correspondent mm. who was at, like, an arcade, and he was, like, reading <laughs> out live cheat codes for, like, Street Fighter 2 about, like, how to unlock something in the arcade version. And it it's was, all the
0: right—like, reading out the cheat codes is exactly spot on and what it should be. It just yeah. wasn't ready for it. No, no, I but was... exactly.
1: And that's, like, what it was in the mid-'90s. So, yeah, that was really, like, you know, 94, 95— I was, you know, very much like the kid in Almost Famous, Cameron Crowe, who was, like, you know, going to these events as a kid and it had such a huge impression on me. And, like, these guys became my friends. And now, you know, a lot of people are like, well, how do you know everyone in the industry? It's like, well, because I've literally lived it for 25 years. And, sure. you know, it's like a lot of people you work with today are people that you worked with 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And games is very much an industry that it's such a cool industry that I think once you get into it, you never want to leave it. So it's like exactly. all the people I work with today, like the Fortnite guys are the same guys that I met when I was a teenager and actually the co-founder of Epic lived like 10 minutes away from me in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And like we used to hang out when I was like 13 years old and
0: he was 18. Or even if you do leave it, you eventually come back very quickly like I did. Yeah, <laughs> like that's you true. Met, Like yeah. you think there's something better in the Hollywood and you're like, these guys just don't get it. Like the gaming, yep. the gaming space is so far advanced. on kind of, you know, connecting with consumers and, and just mm-hmm. the passion for the space. Is just oh
1: yeah, it's only like, said it only gets bigger and better and, p- and people always would ask me you know well it's great you're in games like when are you gonna you know bridge that into doing film stuff or music stuff and i, I love all those worlds but yeah i've never wanted to leave games because like the industry keeps growing it's mm-hmm. so exciting like with the stuff google just announced with streaming like there's just so much going on constantly like why would i ever want to go yeah. to like these antiquated Media.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So that's 94 for Cybermania, 95 yes. <laughs> for E3, Half-Life in 98. So uh-huh. another letter written to Gabe in no, Seattle.
1: that how- was, it wasn't a letter. It was, uh, I forget how that came together. So yeah, I, I started while I was in college. I started writing this series of articles uh, called Behind the Game. So I was the story behind that was I was in my college dorm as a freshman, and there was this new show that came on TV one night, called Behind the Music, uh, the Millie Vanilli story. And I remember it was like a Sunday night. I didn't really want to hang out with anyone. So I was like, turn on my TV and I watched this like story of, you know, what happened with Millie Vanilli uh, with the, you know, remember the Behind the Music guy was mm-hmm. narration and all that, like the real story. So I started saying, like, well, there's not that doesn't exist for video games. Wouldn't it be cool to kind of write these, like, behind-the-scenes stories? So the first game I actually did was Unreal. And I was a freshman in college, and I wrote the story of, like, the making of Unreal and kind of what went into it. And then after that, I was looking for the next game to cover. And I got really excited about this game Half-Life that was the first game from this company, Valve. Um, So I reached out to the publicist and said, hey, you know... I saw I saw
0: your video you were you were getting the early builds Has yeah. that come out of it like you had tell told the story earlier getting the early builds so yep. you got excited about that about the builds that Yeah were I still
1: have like at my place here in LA I have like five or six like different versions of Half-Life that they would send me like throughout development and people yeah whenever I tweet about people I was like how do we get a hold of that you know, <laughs> upload to the internet or something but yeah so I had all this stuff and I and I held on to it cuz yeah I was writing this story so I got to hang out with like Gabe Newell and Mike Harrington his co-founder right when they were starting you know, Valve, which is crazy, and again, it's like I saw those guys this week. It's like all the same guys are still there. Yeah. Uh, Mike retired, but yeah, Gabe and all those guys. So that was like through college, I was writing all these kind of behind the scenes stories um, about games, and it was it was an interesting lifestyle because I was you know going to school and focusing on that, but like my summers and weekends, like I I've, I've never had a regular job in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I've just done video game stuff because I've never had to like you know go work at a you know consulting company.
0: Sure. Because it's just all games. That's a blessing.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, look. There's probably good and bad things about it, but um, yeah, I've just never had to because it's that like,
0: entrepreneurial hustle. Though, I mean, like if if you, you've got a passion and you know what you want to do, and you're you're already doing it at that age, even when you're in school and you're doing the journalistic thing, like you just you have to figure out how to springboard that. And clearly, you figured it out. And obviously, from the success you, your your folks had and and those kind of things, just kind of you have that path and 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 you know what you what industry you want to be in.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I think I have you know. I found my passion point, which was video games. And, yeah, like I I really feel like I've sort of never really worked a day in my life because I love what I do and I work extremely hard. But it's like, you know, it's all bit What I love about it, all my career stuff, it feels like it's just naturally kind of built off each other, right? And, like, mm-hmm. even getting into TV stuff, like that was never the goal. But it just kind of naturally happened. Um, and I was lucky and then getting into the Internet stuff. It just, yeah, it's all just kind of continued to evolve. But it, it, it all feels like it's built off of each other and it's all the same people Mm -hmm. that i'm dealing with which is like like someone like you like you know it's like people i've known for decades and we've all kind of built this together and i'm you know so honored to like someone like the game awards i'm so honored to be able to do that and people respect me and hope that i'm going to do it well and so far I think we've done okay.
0: Yeah, oh, I mean, it's amazing. You brought up TV. Yeah. Talk about. I think when we started working together, it was you were running Viacom's gaming stuff. I think you've got GG, GTTV yep. And G four. How how did you how did you get into the Viacom space and what what was TV that experience like? TV was
1: interesting. Like? Yeah, because I so I was you know mostly a journalist uh, through college, writing for gaming magazines, and then I got hit up right like the week I was graduating, I started getting hit up by like. Time Magazine, Fortune, Entertainment Weekly, and they started asking me to write about games, which was super cool. So that kind of happened for a couple years, and then after that, there was a guy in Canada named Victor Lucas, still up there, um, that ran the show called Electric Playground, which was like this video sure. game television show, which is like really was the first video game show. I Actually, remember like corresponding with him via letters, like in the mid '90s when he was just starting that show, and one day he asked me, he said, "Hey, would you want to come on camera to kind of like you know host some segments for us?" And I'd never really done anything on camera in my life.
0: You were like, sure, um, I don't know what that means, but I'm in. Like,
1: Yeah, I'm like, well, I'm here. Sounds kind of cool. Let me do this. So Victor, really, I give cr- credit to him for sort of recognizing, hey, Jeff could potentially be good on camera. Um, so I, d- I worked, I would always go into these press events and I would do on-camera stuff for Electric Playground. Um, so that was really where I started with the video stuff. And then after that, I was in L.A. because I came down to L.A. for college, so... It, it naturally, I got—I really got hooked up first with G4 when they were launching that network and started working with them. And then after a year or two, Spike TV came to me and said, hey, we've seen your stuff on G4. We'd love to have you work with us. So I think that's when sort of some of the Ryan Seacrest comparisons started because I was working on G4 and on Spike. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like when Seacrest is here at the Oscars, was like doing the E pre-show and then he goes to the ABC show. That's sort of what I was doing like at sure. E3. <laughs> i do like a day of G4 and then i go film my Spike show and they would sort of share me until Spike kind of eventually uh, asked me to be, become exclusive with them. And then, yeah, I spent a good 10 years, um, at Viacom working. I have GTTV, my weekly show, what was originally called Gamehead. Um, so I did that, um, as a weekly, you know, kind of entertainment tonight for mm-hmm. games, um, which was cool. And then I got involved with the video game awards, although a lot of people say I created the VJs, which is not at all the case, um, that already existed. I've been to every video game awards, but I didn't really start working on it until 2005 or six. Um, and then started to help them more and more. But yeah, the TV thing was, it was interesting. Um, you know, it was at a time when, remember, like you couldn't get like high definition internet video. It's like when we were doing stuff on Spike in like 2005 on Xbox, it was like, wow, like, the only way to see these games is to watch television because, like, YouTube, I mean, just launched that year and it certainly didn't have good quality. So it was a different time. Like, I mean, you know, today it would be an influencer. You know, Ninja would be hosting a show on, you sure. know, if that existed. But I was lucky. And then and I give a lot of credit to the guys at, at Spike, um, Albie Hecht, who founded it, um, Kevin Kay, the president for a long time, that they, they really trusted and believed in me as, like, an on-camera host, but also all the behind-the-scenes stuff, right? So I was helping produce it, I was helping, you know, direct it, and it was, like, doing deals, like, when we were doing, you know, we were mm-hmm. doing launch specials, so we were doing Madden specials. Which
0: were huge culture. at the time. I I took over Madden in 2005. We did a making-of show for Spike. I can't remember who the host was. It was a guy from an L.A. radio station out here. Oh, Stryker. Stryker. Yeah. So yeah, Stryker, Stryker was a, yeah. that was a big deal. Like, yeah. we, had do, we were doing a ton of marketing things, mm-hmm. but, like, getting a show on Spike was, like, that oh, was yeah. the benchmark at the time to really, instead of now we can, you know, we can do that on YouTube or do whatever. No, no,
1: and it was, it was yeah, the midnight launches, right? Because it used to be people would line up for games. Like, now you just preload it and, like, it happens, That right? was a
0: big thing we really pushed was, the, like, creating that moment. Mm-hmm. Because some... There was a couple of games to get. We were Madden was annualized, so you know it's coming every year. But how do we 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 used to create? Yeah. yeah, all of those kind of note. You know, hey, here's your sick. See, here's your letter for so you can call in sick tomorrow. Oh yeah, trying to create it that night. So I just remember the our first couple of midnight events. There's we go to you just pick a GameStop. and There's 40 people there in line. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just crazy. oh we
1: like we made a whole business out of that in the mid-2000s about midnight launch specials. And, you know, Halo launched, like, we shut down Fifth Avenue in New York City mm-hmm. and Master Chief rode in um, on an ATV. Um, yeah, we did. You know, you took over Rose Bowl with you know Good Charlotte, and I can't remember who else played. Like it was a big concert. Buster, uh, Buster, Yeah, that was for,
0: a, that uh, was the year after we did the New York City one, which was right, Ozzy on which the. Which is my uh, favorite. That yep. was my favorite launch event. The yeah,
1: Ozzy was on the Hard Rock, like
0: uh, on the market. Yeah, the marquee. Hard Rock. We turned the yeah. Times Square ball into the Madden box and yep. did the countdown thing, and then. Oh like, yeah,
1: no, like those were, and we did. You know, we did a lot of game launches, like a lot of Xbox games, we did a lot of PlayStation stuff. Do you um, use zero hour in the desert? Yeah, I did zero hour live right here in oh, Palmdale, was which was cool. And yeah, that was it was sort of G four and Spike. It was about big live events, eventizing launch night, and we did that for it was really a good probably six or eight years.
0: And to your credit, that's big for the industry. Like yeah. I get the idea of it being important for TV channels and to have content, yeah. which is the play now. The industry doesn't need it now, right. but at the time, having those moments and really, I mean, the, our whole thing on Madden when I took over Madden. It was a radio remote at the blockbuster, and thirty million dollars on TV, and we were trying to hey, like actually, we want a theat- we want to make this a theatrical moment, and mm-hmm. you guys were doing that with all the franchises, which was I thought was so great. So I think yep. you guys were doing it for what was right for the channels, but also it really kind of elevated the industry in those moments.
1: Yeah, thank you. No, I agree, and it was you know it was us and the game publishers and everyone saying let's like make games big, and again, it, it really that all sort of transitioned once live streaming came online and also just now like midnight launches are just not the same because you said it used to be people lining up it's you know I guess hardware launches are a little bit like that but the last the last big specials we did were really um, you know like the the Xbox One launch and the PS4 launch we both did on Viacom like in 2013 those will
0: eventually Um, happen again one day
1: Yeah, right. When they're new, well, basically, but now it'll be, you know, a live stream on YouTube, right? That's the thing that.
0: Where do you play? Yeah, where do you place the coverage? Because I think you do a great job with Game Awards, is whatever you want to watch it on. I used to joke, you can play Madden on whatever you can plug into the wall. Like, no, but that's that's
1: the, it's just, it's moved beyond that. And I think, you know, I've always, I've always said that, like, all this esports stuff and all this talk about being on traditional television, it's like, I got all the traditional TV stuff, like, out of my system. A long time ago, and I have, like, zero interest in ever being on traditional cable TV again and doing anything in that space. Um, And we've had lots of offers to, you know, do shows and put Game Awards on TV, and I'm just like, it's... uh, You'll be back on on
0: TV as soon as the audience is back on TV. Like, I think you go where the audience is. Yes,
1: but I I also say, like, we're on TV because we're on your 65-inch television via the Twitch app on your Xbox or PlayStation. So it's like, you know, people always say, like, oh, the Game Awards it's not on TV anymore. How's that going to work? I'm like dude, it's on TV. It's just like through your Chromecast or through your Apple TV or through your console. And it's actually better that way. Like our show is live 4K uh, on those systems. And it's like, you can't actually get that through traditional cable.
0: And the stuff you create is, you know, I let's jump into E3. But I think even what you do with YouTube and the live at E3 stuff, where you're covering the press conferences, like that's like we we have to watch that stuff. I mean, I think you jump in, and I know my guys, and my, Jorge in Florida, is yeah. watching the eight-hour broadcast yeah, we'll minute by minute. Yeah, I mean, I think that stuff is great. Talk about how the E3 with YouTube stuff came together and, and your yeah. role. Of, uh, I love what you guys are doing. I've been going to Comic-Con forever. Yeah. Having worked at Legendary and doing Hall H and all that stuff, yeah, I pals. love what, we're, your, what you're building with Coliseum. Talk about that for a minute.
1: Yeah, E3 is super important to me um, because it's really been, you know, a big part of my life every June, right? It's that big moment um, Or it used to be in May, but now it's June. Um, And, yeah, the the live coverage of E3 is something we started at G4. um, And I remember in the early meetings at G4, it's like, no, this is like the Super Bowl for video games. And we should cover it like the Super Bowl. And we had a lot, you know, it's like the – it is kind of foreign to some people that don't get the industry. It's like, wait, you're putting a press – a corporate press conference – you know, online and like people really want to watch it, like you know, and you know a lot of brands like you know, Microsoft you have,
0: gets twenty million views. That's I mean, like, but it's, it's
1: unique in gaming, right? And it's like even compared to other entertainment forms, right? You don't see Warner Brothers pictures doing a big press conference.
0: CinemaCon right? like, is not going to be on YouTube with that. No,
1: many but I would argue it like it probably will get some viewerships, but the our viewership, no, but the nobody
0: uh, outside the industry, right? Like, no,
1: and but gaming, it's like people, you know, this audience actually loves to be marketed to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so that's what we were sort of saying in the G4 time. It's like, no, this is content, right? And we would always have that debate on the television side because we'd have certain executives saying, like, wait, this is a commercial for Xbox, right? Like, shouldn't we be charging them through the roof to put this on television? But then the counter counterpoint is that, well, this actually drives viewership because they have fans that, you know, in the middle of the day, you're going to get, you know, a... a Million people tuning into television. Should
0: Xbox be charging you for the content that well, you're putting on your stage.
1: That's like that's always totally. been sort of the give and take that's gone back and forth. But yeah, G four we, we said hey, E three is the Super Bowl, um, and then we did it for many years live on G four. It was one of the you know biggest kind of weeks of the year for G four. And then at Spike we started doing it when I went over to Spike. Um, and then when I left Spike and they sort of said hey, you know, this audience clearly is moving online. That's where I went. I partnered with YouTube and we built basically what, you know, what I want. basically what we did at Spike, but doing it for the online global audience at YouTube. And again, it's, you know, it's cool because now we can be way more flexible with the length of what we do and just, yeah, do, doing a full-blown day. So it's a marathon.
0: And the sets it, are beautiful. You guys do a great build out at the JW
1: yep, where we'll you guys come in and
0: you've got the cranes and you've got all that space. And I, yep. I think it, having been on it and kind of sat with you and talked through that stuff and then watching it, it's, it's. It's impressive, but I think it's needed for the space because I think it's not just the press conference. It's the breakdown of the press conference. Yeah, well, You'll it, call it's an people event. Out on it. Yeah, yeah 100 no,
1: And that's what people want. You know, it's like everyone tells me. It's like, oh, I, you know, when your show's on, it's like I put it on, you know, on my desktop and it's there all day, right? Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, Super Bowl that's what you do right it's like Mm -hmm. there's six hours of programming before the game or the Oscars there's all these pre-shows and we sort of yeah really wrap it into a full day with some context around it so yeah I'm really proud to do that and we'll do that again this year it's important
0: for us in the industry too because we're all at E3 and we're all working and I know I come back back and I'll watch watch, (laughs) two weeks later I'll watch your shows religiously and there's a whole bunch of like oh shit I didn't know like so that's so much content and the
1: thing is it's you know one of YouTube's biggest live streams of the year like it's you Mm -hmm. know millions and millions of people watching it um so yeah that's been fun to build that so i do that and then yeah a couple years ago added the coliseum uh because you know e3 was traditionally an industry show but now transitions uh has transitioned into more of a consumer show so i was like well you know i think there's an opportunity here to build as you said sort of a similar to a hall age concept of comic-con where the game creators can come and meet with their fans and you know we really try and bring pop culture into it as well. So we have a lot of big names from entertainment, like the Creators of Westworld, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy came last year and talked about how games inspired Westworld. Darren Aronofsky was, you know, there talking about That's games great. that he loves. So I really, I try Jordan and
0: program. with Godzilla and coming in with Kojima yep. and talking about the, you know. Yeah, exactly. Jordan Roberts
1: has done stuff with Kojima. Um, we have a lot of, you know, Jack Black did this amazing, he's come every year and done kind of an amazing panel or something. So I really try and use my relationships to program it, not just as like, Here's every game slotted back to back, but kind of make it more of a curated experience. Um, so yeah, we'll do that again, and it's it's been really fun. And um, yeah, I w- you know I want to do more of that moving forward. And that's really I think part of my role now in the industry is how do I, you know, connect all the worlds of entertainment into gaming in a meaningful way.
0: Yeah, and I think the things that we love the most is your your re- your interactions with because of your relationships. All of the kind of leaders of the space, you know, you think of Reggie and Phil, and all, and all the interactions you have with that. My favorite one always being your question about agent to Jack Trenton. Um, <laughs> tell me about, tell me about the, uh, the, the, uh, the creation of that uh, question and how long you, uh, oh, how long yeah. you've brought that up with Jack.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it was fun that, uh, you know, every year at E3, I would get to do these interviews with a lot of the executives, right? So there's yeah, there's the famous Jack Trenton uh, agent thing. There's the Famous Don Matrick, uh, you know, Xbox One, you know, nuclear submarine quote um, that uh, if you haven't seen it, find online. But, yeah, I would do these interviews with executives. And I part of my, you know, the fun of that was I would always kind of I'd, I'd be a little harsh on folks um, in the interviews and sort of, act, you know, got a reputation to this day. I think Microsoft is still kind of scared of me at E3 to some degree because it's like, you know, the Don Matrick interview still is like somewhere, you know, back there, back of their mind. Um, but it was, you know, I think. I really wanted to kind of push people um, on a lot of those topics, and yeah, the Jack Tretton Agent thing was another thing where every, you know, I think it was like 2007. They announced they had this new game from Rockstar coming called Agent, and then every year at E3, I just ask them, it's like, so what's the update? What's the
0: update? Um, if I remember correctly, I think that was the the coverage of when. Uh, when Grand Theft Auto went to the Microsoft for the, you know, yes, I think that was the response to that. Like, yep. I remember Nathan Stewart was working at Rockstar at the time, and I remember he was in the concept yeah. room of shit. We need to pitch something, like <laughs> right?
1: Because Microsoft had paid a bunch of money for the uh, the GTA four uh, DLCs, which ended up being uh, Ballad of Gay Tony and Lost and Damned. Super smart move by them. Yeah, great. Yeah, it was yeah Peter Moore era. They went in big with that, and then yeah, Sony was trying tattoo. to counter or something. The yep. Peter
0: Moore tattoo announcement.
1: Yep. Yeah, well, yeah, the yeah, Halo announced, yeah, that was,
0: uh, yeah. He did the Grand Theft Auto tattoo, I believe, as he well. He had, I think it, right?
1: He had, like, the Halo one, yeah, and then he had a GTA exactly. one or something. Um, but, yeah, those was legendary stuff um, back at E3. And, yeah, like, E3 was, it was it was fun. I mean, there were some great Reggie interviews over the years at E3. And, I you know, I also, it helped me build a real rapport with all those guys. And that's, you know, many people always ask, like, well, how did you make the Game Wars happen? How did you get all three of those guys to walk out on stage last year? And that it really was, was up, yeah. you know. It's because it's relationships. I, I, we say, and I, you know, I've I've really known those guys, and, and you know, I think they learned to respect me and what I was doing, hosting the stuff, but also kind of producing it and pushing for it. So, um, you yeah, you got to play I,
0: both sides of it, though. You have to be authentic because mm-hmm. you're you core gamer, and and the your audience is the core yeah. gamer. So, you have to work with them, so you have to be super respectful on that side. But mm-hmm. you know, if they've got something good, then you'll you're going to give them the, the platform to talk about it. And if if they're challenging you, then you're going to challenge them right back,
1: yeah. I know that, and that's you know, even when we're thinking about working with brands and all this stuff, it's there's such a careful balance you got to strike mm-hmm. about being authentic. But at the end of the day, yes, like you need the access, right? And and you know, uh I used to be, you know, I fully admit this. I used to be more of a, you know, traditional kind of journalist that covers games, and now I've kind of turned into more of a host, producer, you know, partner. And he said, I think you have to be authentic and real. But you know, I, I decided probably a good decade ago to say, hey, like I think the opportunity for me is to partner with the industry, build these things to celebrate games, and I think you know, I miss the idea writing big expose articles on things and whatnot. But there are lots of people that do a great job at that. And I thought I was in a unique position to kind of connect everyone together and hopefully, like, elevate the entire category for, like, more respect in culture. And that's part of, honestly, what I think you even do here at Triple Clux is, like, how do we sort of work with the right partners to expand the reach of gaming, whether that's, like, a brand you're working with or... You know, working with Nike or Adidas, or working with you know a big mm-hmm. me- run the jewels right, like all that stuff. I think kind of elevates the industry altogether.
0: Yeah, I think we try hard to do that. I think I think the thing that I've always appreciated with you is how brand friendly you are. Everything that we do is authentic to gamers. Like we don't want to put brands in, mm. in uncomfortable positions. They trust us to lead them into the space sure and I've always felt like the way you work with brands at e3 and with the game awards is is you're doing those things the right way we try you've you've got your moments you've you've got your you've got your Pope moments of course which yeah. is more consumer reactionary but like as brands will hopefully listen to the podcast and the clients that I have I think you know, finding ways to organically bring yourselves into E3 and, you know, you can only get into the Coliseum if you're wearing these shoes or you you have this cell phone or you're collaborating or you have yeah. pass fast pass is in booths because you you have a Coke in your hand. Like, I think just the way that we can use brands to give consumers better experience yeah. has always been important Content. to me. And I know that you yeah. you've been passionate about delivering that for brands too.
1: Yeah, look, I mean... You know, the the situation with brands is always fascinating to me. Um, and I think it's evolved a lot, right? Because, you know, people... Yeah, exactly. They've, you know, there have been lots of promotions I've had to do over the years. And some of them you just have to do begrudgingly because that's what the network sold or that's what you're sort of told to do. And, you know, the brand doesn't really know any better either. And I think what you've that's helped the them do yeah. and, like, we've helped them do is, like, hey, just listen to us. Like, you know, trust us. Like, we're going to mm-hmm. show you the right angle approach into this category. Um, and, yeah, there have been lots of, you know, where it's like Geico wants the caveman to be sitting in the audience at the Game Awards. And I'm like, guys, like, <laughs> what is that? A, or, you know, Hydrobot same thing. It's like that was, you know, a case where, like, the first year, it's like none of us sat around saying, like, hey, this is the best idea in the world. But it's like this is what, you know, the agency or the, you know, the they yeah. just don't know the space. Totally. And I think it's just an educational process um, with brands to sort of figure that out. Um, and look, I'm glad, you know, I, I always had a view that I wanted brands to be more involved in the industry to sort of help it grow. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think some purists would say like, no, we don't want these guys anywhere near games. It's like, you know, games are pure and like, we don't want to have a bunch of, you know, we don't want Mountain Dew anywhere near games. And it's like, my view is like, it's great that more companies want to be involved with games. Like, you know, instead of doing deals with movies, they should be doing deals with games and gaming content. But it's like, uh, It's a learning process, right? And you got to be patient. And that's the thing that I always say about Game Awards. People are like, well, how did you build it? And I'm like, what you don't realize is I had to be patient, you know, from working on Cybermania through all the Spike shows and g 4 It's like I was sitting there patiently listening and learning and, you know, seeing the mistakes as they were happening and pulling my hair out that they were not listening to me about the show I wanted to do. But you just gotta sort of bite your tongue and just like learn and realize eventually if you're patient enough, you'll get the opportunity to, you know, author the show you wanna author. It's sort of the same thing with brands. It's like there were a lot of, you know, mistakes along the way that brands made and that, you know, we made or I made publicly on behalf of brands because they didn't know any better, but hopefully they learned. And the best thing that happened with like Chic Hydro is we did the Hydrobot one year, which everyone made fun of. And then the next year, they came back and did this whole program with Best Debut Indie Game, and they, you know, funded indie developers to give away their codes to gamers and got this awesome response, and I always show that as, like, a case study of, like, hey, here's a brand that, like, got attacked one year, and they didn't say, oh, we're out of the space, we're never doing this again. They actually said, like, oh, well, let's listen to you this year, what should we build together? And they got a great response. So I just think that's, like, I view it much more longer term of, like, there are going to be mistakes along the way. When we make mistakes, they're obviously extremely public and they hit the cringe reels and whatnot, but we wouldn't be where we are today at the Game Awards without those brands supporting us because honestly, especially when I was starting my own stuff, we need brands as partners, and I see it as vital to the success of my shows longer term that we have brand partners that allow us to create content that's not just you know funded by the publishers. Because in many ways that allows us to be more way more credible,
0: yeah, yeah, totally. And then you don't have to, you don't have to eat that up. And I think what you left, I think the Game Awards. So you left Spike two thousand thirteen,
1: th- yeah, in the thirteen. 13 th- we did the, the did last your, thing, yeah,
0: yeah, you did. I think you came on in fourteen, and I think you know you can see the evolution. And I've having been lucky enough to work with you through that. I think you see the evolution of it. You, <laughs> to your credit, thirty one million streams last year. Yeah, th- the Oscars. Uh, I believe that Oscars had 29 million. I think the Grammys had 19 million.
1: Yeah, big. I mean that's not totally an apples-to-apples to apples comparison. Well,
0: I mean I think an apples-to-apples uh, concurrent digital views the Super Bowl had 3.2 million and you had four million. That's correct. And these views are, I mean, it's whether you're watching them live like the yeah. Grammys or you're watching them within 24 hours. The numbers are crazy of what you've.
1: Kind yeah, of no, no. The current number was really big for us. I mean, even like on Twitch, we were, you know. I think the 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 biggest live moment of the year on Twitch was, you know, the Game Awards. It wasn't an eSports event, right? right. And that's sort of uh, counterintuitive sometimes when people think about that. And there was a Counter-Strike GO tournament that was around the same size of us, the E-League major in Boston. But, you know, the Game Awards was you know, right at the top of the list in terms of the number of people watching and co-streaming the show.
0: I'd like to see the countries of the viewers of both of those as well as the yeah. comparatives. Right. That's I think yeah, I yeah. always yeah. have to fight through the esports stuff because esports is the first way in for brands because sure. it's the easy thing for them to yep. buy. And then, then they're like, wait, that, that didn't work. And to your point on Schick, it's like they, you can't really leave the space. You can't say gaming's not right for us because 99% of millennials and Gen Zs are in gaming. Oh, and yeah. so you've got to find the right way in. And I think that's one of the reasons why we built the agency because catalogs doesn't need a movie agency, right? You can yeah. call the studios yourselves and you can do the placements and stuff like that. You just, you need someone to help kind of navigate you through this space because it's so, it's so tough and the kids are, they have their eyes on everything right and this is their space these are like that movie's not your movie but this game is your game
1: oh no super passionate and and, it's uh you know it's esports is interesting because it's you know there's a lot of excitement around it but it's not it's not the entire industry right and i always say to brands it's like look I know you want to be in games and look, but there's there's Switch, there's PC, there's PlayStation, there's Xbox, there's all this stuff, and like you know, the PlayStation business is so massive, and like esports is a piece of it, but it's not really what drives that platform. I get pitched all the time that
0: esports is going to be about a two billion dollar business next year, and I'm like, cool. Call of Duty is going to be about two billion dollar business next yeah. year. Yeah, like this one game.
1: Yeah, exactly. no, that's I mean, a great great analogy and great point, and I think. You know the esports stuff. You know it's great that it's always on, but you know when you see brands doing team sponsorships, it's because they do that in the traditional sporting world, right? So it's like it's very easy for them to understand.
0: Esports are perfect for the gamers and consumers and the industry. It's just not ready for brands yet. I I always we always contend: don't market to gamers, build relationships with them, and then you can use esports as a platform Mm -hmm. to to share your message. That's what I mean.
1: And, And the thing that I find with a lot of brands we talk to specifically is. and you do this too, it's like you have to kind of explain to them and get them convinced about like entering gaming in the right way. And then something, you know, I'm like, hey, if you end up doing something in the Game Awards, that's great. But like, let's figure out how to get you in the space in general, find success. And that's always going to benefit, you know, all of us down the road if these brands feel good about it. And that's, I will say over the past four or five years, like agencies like yours and, and brands, I think are really, you know, diving into the space, doing more than they ever have before. So I think... I think there's going to be good coming out of it. And, like, when we do the Game Awards, you know, the numbers are great. But what's even more important is the results that people see yeah. coming out of it. It's like this audience wants to engage. They want free stuff. They want to do things. So it's uh, moving beyond just kind of the raw impressions of how people saw it and about, like, no, like, what's the – what's how do you go down the funnel? How do you get them to engage?
0: Yeah, and I think the brand – like, sh- I think brands should 100% be at the Game Awards. But it should be a piece of the gaming strategy and not the gaming that strategy. How, oh. For what, sure. What are you doing on Pack? Great. Let's talk about it on Game Awards. Let's do this on Twitter. Let's, you know, it's got to be a 300. It's got to be
1: continuity 30. plan because, you know, Game Awards also is just like it's a point in time, right? So, yeah. you know, he it, it said it's. It,
0: What's your message? And then what do we do at that point of time? I
1: amplify time? right? And yeah. how does it kind of pay off and culminate? And you no, know, whenever people say, like, oh, we're doing this other thing, I'm like, with this game, I'm like, great, because it sort of connects you to this world. And, you know, the worst thing for me is someone says, hey, we want to come do something at the Game Awards, but we have nothing planned in gaming. And it's like, then I got to sort of come up with that strategy or talk you to com- you or other people.
0: Sell you a commercial rather than uh, yeah. bring you in live, right? Because you just, you yeah. don't belong live. You have to just yep. buy media.
1: Yep. Um, yeah. So it's, it, look, it's, it's evolving. I think, you know, with the stuff I do now, it's, it's a pure play for digital. As you said, like Game Awards, you know, what excites me is that I think we're building what's going to be the biggest awards show in the world. Um, you know, down the road. And I think we're certainly on a trajectory to get there. Is there um, anything
0: know, bigger right now than that?
1: Well, I mean, the thing is, like, with the Oscars, we're a global number. The numbers you're quoting are their U.S. domestic, you know, TV viewership. So if you add in, you know, it's it's just, it's just not – it's apples to oranges, really, when you look at it. So, you know, what I would say more is that from a tra- you know trajectory perspective, the Oscars continues to go down. It went up a little bit this year um, in terms of its viewership. But over the years, it's going down, and we are, you know – at least the past couple of years, like doubled and tripled our viewership, yeah. right? So we went from like 1.9 million views in 2014 to, you know, 31 plus in, um, you know, 2018. So it's really more directionally. I think we're moving in the, in the right spot. But I, you know, and I think, but I do really feel like games in my lifetime, I think we can get to the point where this is, you know, the biggest awards show out there for entertainment. And it should be because the gaming industry is bigger 100%. than these other mediums. And that's that will be ultimately, I think, when I, when I will feel really good about where things are at. Um, is when we can, you know, get to that point, and I think it's within striking distance,
0: yeah. And I love the Oscars, and most of us love the Oscars. We grew up watching it. The Oscars aren't the same audience that go to movies on a daily basis, right? right? You don't have Marvel things there. Your show yep. has the games that we love. And, and that's that's what I always find interesting is is the type of audience that are no, it's it's a great
1: point. And like you're right. last year when the Oscars were talking about, you know, adding the popular Oscar category. <sighs> Yeah. I'm like, which they didn't do, but like you said, it was to address Black Panther and all these other films that weren't getting attention. And yeah, our show, it's like Red Dead, God of War, like all the big games end up getting nominated.
0: And you still take care of the indies and you do oh, yeah. you respect, like, and I, I, that's what I love about the show is, is the coverage of from top to bottom, whether it's the small indies to the, to the big franchise.
1: Esports. I mean, we try and include it all in there and we also, you know pivot forward and we look at games coming in the future, right? And that kind of like forward-looking news is really what drives a lot of our viewership. And I still can't understand why like the Oscars, you know, why wouldn't they show you a new trailer for the Avengers or like, you know, a first look at Avatar 2 and the Oscars would drive it. And I just think it's, you know, I think it's culturally they just, I think there are people at the Academy that view that as like too commercial for what they're doing. And for me, again, gaming is unique because our audience... Loves to be marketed to. So if I say to you know anyone watching the show like, hey, do you want to see a trailer for the next game from Nintendo? No one's gonna be like, well, that's not the right place for it. It's like the sh- you know, And and there's some people that are purists about the awards and think it should only be awards. But our magic formula is like kind of half awards, half first looks. And because of that, we generate this massive viewership that yeah. then sees the Celeste, the small indie game, get up mm-hmm. on stage. And those guys call me the week after the show, say, hey, we sold a ton of games. Because people saw us, right? Or Florence on mobile. Like, there's so many people I run into that say, like, I, I never knew about Florence or Dead Cells until I watched the Game Awards, and yeah. I bought
0: it right after. And I find it funny that the Oscars aren't – it's not the right place for it because I think Green Book spent $25 million marketing for their film. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? No. And, and that's no, like, there's nothing wrong with that if that's the space, but then yeah. it's a commercial vehicle. so Right. And it, look, they, they've got
1: their own issues with – you know, is Netflix stuff eligible or not, and they're trying to protect the theatrical experience, and for me, like, we're we're really flexible and open about what games get nominated, you know, try and cover everything, and again, like, even how we distribute the show, it's free for everyone to kind of watch, and we're really, I think, the only thing in the world that is distributed across, we're over 45 platforms, so, like, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook—you yep. know all the gaming platforms. So it's, it's and
0: it, and you do the deals on the platforms, which I love.
1: Yeah, yeah. like yeah, sale offers. Yep.
0: Oh my yep. God, talk Companies, about what yeah. you get! Something different on Twitch versus Twitter versus Xbox versus yeah, PlayStation. Yeah. I mean, I think that's yeah. No,
1: like, and they're all partners to the show, right? So it's like it's it's sort of it, it's designed a little bit like, you know, if the Oscars was on, like, every television network, right? And it's not, you know, we're not getting a big license fee like ABC's paying for the Oscars, but we'd rather just have the reach and have all these platforms supporting yeah. us. So it's it's a really unique property. Um, I'm really proud of of how it's been built. But yet still, you know, if you don't play games or you don't see the show, people are always shocked at the scale of it, right? And it's like, you come to the show, it's like, oh, it's at the Microsoft Theater. It's the same place where the ESPYs are and the Emmys are and Oh wait! You've got Hans Zimmer performing and Imagine Dragons, and what? Michael Phelps is here, and <laughs> Christoph Waltz and Jonah Hill, and people just you know, and like, yeah, and Ninja, Keep right? And all these, yeah. It's I mean, it's like, every, and everyone's sort of like, wow, this is a thing. Um, and I think a lot of brands and, and other partners just don't realize it until they sort of get in the room and say, hey, there's clearly something happening here.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's it. Congratulations! It's so great. Thank you. Uh, Reggie retiring. Yeah thoughts crazy right i'm i'm happy he was great he was amazing personally i'm super close with doug bowser because we worked at ea forever so i'm seeing
1: doug tonight for a drink
0: are you tell him i said hello i love doug uh kind of crazy
1: yeah Uh, no look i mean reggie is a a legend um and we've had you know an amazing relationship over the years i mean you know i was looking at some of the tapes of interviewing him at like e3 2005 and things like that um so yeah he's a good friend of mine um he's you know larger-than-life personality. He's a great interview. That's the thing is he just makes, you know, yeah. he's a smart guy, but he's also just really good on camera and fun um, to be on camera. So, yeah, we're. I'm going to miss him. It really, you know, makes me even more happy that we did The Moment last year at the Game Awards with yeah. Reggie, Phil, and Sean. He could be a part of, there, cause yeah. part of that. Because he part of that because this year that wouldn't happen. So, yeah, I uh, had dinner with him a uh, couple weeks ago and, uh, yeah, you know, wished him well and I'm really, you know, excited about the next chapter for him.
0: Good for him. I'm excited for him, too. I love Doug, so... I think they're in good hands. Which oh,
1: Doug's amazing. Yep, yeah, good which guy. is great.
0: Uh, talk a little bit about Hideo, and, and the Kajam You know, I think that moment that you had with him, uh, the uh, the leaving Konami moment oh, yeah. and the coming back moment. Yeah, we appreciate. We don't get the access that you get to him, mm-hmm. um, so we enjoy to kind of see that collective.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that you know I met. For the first time, when I did a story on the making Metal Gear Solid 2 in, in 2001, so I was graduating college that year, um, it was after 9-11, and I flew on a, I always remember this, flying on a 747 to Tokyo with really nobody on the plane because it was like a couple weeks after 9 11. Uh, so it's like you look back and it's like, you know, four people on this like massive, you know, plane. And you know, some I didn't wars. have
0: that experience. I just went to Tokyo and I was <laughs> stuck in the back with thousands of people.
1: Oh, he was crazy. So it's like, yeah, this empty plane. And I got to go over and meet with him and spend time with him kind of writing the story of Metal Gear Solid 2 in 2001. And ever since, we've just had a, a great kinship because I think he. He appreciates what I do to sort of try and elevate the medium of gaming um, and its sort of cultural importance. And, you know, he is, I think, the most kind of famous, recognized game mm-hmm. designer in the world. Um, and, you know, he, he really tries to push the medium, too, with what he's done. So he's always been a big supporter of mine. I've tried to support him. And, you know, with the first, when I, when I you know, had the crazy idea of making the Game Awards and, you know, investing a lot of money into creating it. He was one of the first people I called, along with Reggie and other folks. And he was like, we'll be there. It's like, I'm going to support you. I believe in what you're doing. Um, So he's always kind of been there for me. And then, yeah, it was really sad because the second show, um, he was effectively banned from uh, coming to the show because of, you know, his end of his employment contract with Konami, and there was a lot going on around that. Um, So he couldn't come to the show, and I had to mention that. So it was... uh, I thought you had
0: it a well. Like, I know you wanted to... In your heart, you probably had other things you wanted to say. I mean, obviously, professionally, you, you handled it really well.
1: Yeah, I watched. It. I thought we had to say something, right? because yeah. it was he wasn't there, um, and you know, a lot of people, uh, I think, appreciated that I said that. And look, the next year he came back, we gave him an award, um, and you know, all is well. And he's you know, he's got his new game, Death Stranding. Um, he's working on hopefully coming out sometime soon, um, but it's like uh, the Gran
0: Turismo model that'll eventually come out. I'm not sure. We'll what. see. I like, mean, do you like uh, that's a beautiful thing of him home in the studio now. So like, you yeah. Put it when you're ready. You you can finish the last two levels this time.
1: Oh yeah, no, and I was with him last summer in the studio, played some of it. I mean, he's you know he's a really um, he's an incredible creator and has like just such a. A bold vision, and, you know. Whenever he does a trailer, it's like an event. Yeah, um, I'm so assuming yeah. the game
0: looks good. I haven't. I've only seen the public stuff. What you're playing is it? Is it beautiful? I mean, oh yeah.
1: I mean, he's using the the engine from Horizon Zero Dawn, which is great. Um, and yeah, he like. I think he's just really empowered to be on his own right now and create his, you know, his own game, his own story. You know, he's making Metal Gear Solid games for a long time. So to start, you know, a brand new, new idea. New world, yeah. It's yeah, new cool. world, new characters, all that. It looks incredible. So, yeah, this is like, again, this industry, whenever I think I might get bored, there's something new that sort yeah. of keeps me energized. And people always ask me, you know, in terms of your career, it's like, well, you know, what were your goals? How did you build out your plan of, you know, making all this happen? And honestly, it's like, it's just been kind of very natural how it's grown. I've never really been someone to say like, oh, in three years, you know, it wasn't like, In three years, I'm going to, like, leave Spike and build my own awards show. It's just, like, naturally that's what happened. Um, And uh, this industry, whenever I've even hinted or thought about, like, oh, maybe I could do something, like, in a different field, there's something new that pops up and gets me excited. So I've just kind of been, like, constantly busy for 25 years in games and never had the time to really do anything else, which, you know, is partially to my own detriment in a way, I guess, because it's, like, I've just been so focused on games and, you know, that's what I've done, and that's like, you know, I guess if the whole industry comes crashing down, then I'll be in trouble, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I love the people, I love the content, and, and it only gets better, right? When I see a new trailer from Kojima, I'm legitimately energized and psyched.
0: Yeah, not for sure. What are you playing right now?
1: What am I playing right now? I'm playing Sekiro that just came out, mm-hmm. uh, Shadows Die Twice yeah. from the guys at From, which we teased a couple years ago at Game Awards, so that's good. I was just at GDC, so played a bunch of new... Uh, Bunch of new indie games. Um, but yeah, Sekiro's really big right now. I played Cuphead on Switch this week, which is the same game, but it was kind of fun to I play love that on it. Switch. I love that game. Cuphead's great. So yeah, I saw Jared uh, uh, at the uh, Nintendo event, so that was fun. And yeah.
0: They're such good people, the Cuphead team. Like, we did the launch yeah. for them. And was oh the, yeah, they're the great. Best. And they got the
1: DLC coming out with uh, Miss Chalice. <laughs> I'm uh, very be playable. About We've been talking uh, about I them. think hopefully this year, I think they said. Um, but yeah, I, You know, that's what also is great is like, this industry, they're the big games. but then there are these small indies that can do like incredible stuff um, that is so inspiring. And I just came back from GDC this week in San Francisco and I met with a bunch of teams that, you know, are eight to 10 people and are hoping to have a shot at the game awards to announce their game. That's awesome. Um, and, you know, it's, it's yeah. cool. And I, you know, it means a lot to me that people sort of, see our platform now as a way to, you know, it's it, I think it's becoming a little bit like Sundance, right, where you want to sort of come and show your game, get it recognized, even if it's not signed to a publisher, right? It's like, I don't care if you're on one platform, every platform, even if you have funding, just, like, show me something that's going to inspire us. Um, so I think you're going to see that start to shift this year a lot with Game Awards, where there are going to be some smaller independent teams. Um, and, you know, I spend most of the year traveling the world, meeting with a lot of these guys and these developers, and, and that's the other thing I think people don't really get about Game Awards that it really is a year-round process now because I'm so involved in all the content, and people always ask, well, you know, why is it so good? It's like, well, because we really, like, <laughs> spend the a year. Lot of time, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's just like we spend all year curating and building this show, um, and, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you do Game Awards, what do you do the rest of the year? And it really is like it's a year-long process to build that show and, you know, get the sponsors, work with talent, work with, you know, the game developers and, and kind of bring that to life, which I'm, I'm honored and happy to do. And that's why, gonna, you know, the rest of my life, that's what I will do is kind of continue yeah. building that show. Um, and it's it's something I'm really passionate about. And it's not like, hey, we're waiting, you know, everyone's like, when are you selling it or what's your exit? It's like, that's not what this is about at all. It's about we finally have a show, I think, for our industry that properly represents the medium and, I'm happy to be the custodian of that. I hope that, you know, I'll be able to pass it on eventually to other people that will, you know, carry that forward. But, you know, the thing that gets me most excited about everything in my career is, like, that trophy, I hope in 100 years people will still be giving that out as, like, the trophy that represents excellence in this medium. And gaming is only getting bigger. So it's, like, in many ways, like, you know, the the flip is going to be when, you know, that trophy in gaming is like you know more important than a lot of these other entertainment awards and it's nothing against them I just think you know where gaming is going the trajectory of how it's going to intersect into you know Bandersnatch on Netflix and all these other things like it's going to get really interesting
0: yeah Uh, it's It makes me want to go back and trade you my monkey for one of the new awards that I have. Uh, yeah, the
1: Vector the, Monkey. Can we, yeah. we have to go back. Kid I, Robot design, though.
0: I think the one that I won with it, uh, coming off what I went through yeah. in that time was actually designed by Frank Kozik, too. And Frank. Well, Kozik yeah, so Kozik, yes, so every favorite. year they would
1: have different artists. So yeah. it was a Kid Robot did the initial shell of the yeah. uh, the Vector Monkey is what it was called. And then, yeah, we had different people skin it. So, yeah, Frank skinned. The year that you and did. I was
0: a huge Frank. Yeah. I'd I grown up in Seattle, Pearl Jam, yeah. Soundgarden, all That's that stuff. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I got to work with him. We did a piece for uh, for Tomb Raider, which is amazing. Yep. Uh, but at the time, it was just like, uh, if I'm going to win one, I want the Frank Kosick
1: one. Yeah, yeah, no. It was, look, it was, it was just fun and different right and it's just like it was very mtv right and it's like definitely you know, it's is like,
0: not the oscar but i do think what you've built with weta is spectacular yeah it,
1: it's just different right yeah, and i think totally like weird. my view is you know when we were doing the show at mtv and viacom it was just it was a different vibe right it was like we had you know kim kardashian you know introducing you know the world premiere of dante's inferno for ea or something right Seven hundred fifty
0: thousand like, views Compared to the thirty-one million, so.
1: well, but it, it's it's a different time and it's a it was different world di- yeah. and different obligations. And I think back then it was about getting that talent because you know the sales team would be like, "Well, we need this you know talent sure. for you know brands to understand what this is because they don't get games, but they get Kim Kardashian, right?" Yeah. So I, I get all the decisions that were made, and people always ask me, "It's like, oh, were you so embarrassed to be involved?" No, in not that? at all. I it's think like, it's
0: the evolution is exactly. what makes you proud. No,
1: right? and, and that's you know I don't hold anything against even the people that were making those shows, and people are always like, you know. Do you respect kind of like what you had to go through? And it's like I absolutely do. It's like that. It's like would, asking
0: like, an artist if you didn't like your first album because your fifth one was better. Yeah. right? Of and, course and you also
1: do. you know, I was you know I was working for other people, and you know, and they they really like at the end of the day, Spike and Viacom invested tens of millions of dollars over the years to like support the game industry and build that show, and they, they wanted a it's,
0: cheesy show. They wanted the best show yeah. at the
1: time, and they were also they were paying Sam Jackson to host it or Jack. I mean, they were really investing, so it was. It was good for the industry and i have no doubt that like what we've built with the game awards um you know i learned a lot from all those years yeah. um doing that there and we're just gonna you know keep building together
0: thank you thanks for coming out here thanks, thanks for sir good to see you